1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Andy Barons, joined as usual by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski. And welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Uh, If I had to mention just one thing that is uh, satisfying to me today, it's that I am a fan of a 4-1 football team. The dominant Chicago Bears headed to Carolina to face another winning program in Week 6. Can't wait for that. The entire NFL is on edge about it, I'm sure. Everybody fearing the Bears again. Scott, your thoughts? What I'm excited about is that we had another Seattle game in Week 5,
0: a standalone Island game. Yeah, my head's on a swivel so much during... The action, I I love the fact that there's a bunch of stuff going on midday Sunday. But something to be said for that one game, you can relax, settle in. The announcing is great. And the Seahawks always play a great game. Sometimes they pull it out. Sometimes they don't. There's a lot to talk about. I thought the Vikings put up a good fight in that game. So that that game left a good taste in my mouth after some, you know, look, every week is weird in the NFL and every week has something terrible that we end up invariably talking about in the waiver podcast because that's how it spills over. But, you know, I, I think we all needed something to feel good about after the Dak Prescott injury. And I I think that that football game at least helped a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, it's a good call. It's a good call. Also feel good story. I would, I would uh, feel bad if I did not mention the fact that Alex Smith made his way back to, to an NFL field, which is, which is absolutely incredible. Let me be the millionth person to say that they are, they are satisfied to have seen that. Um, I found it highly ironic that Smith and, Smith and Prescott that happened on the same day, you know. Oh, I mean, wow. it's almost yeah. like the football
0: gods couldn't let us have two nice things at the same time.
1: Yeah, I, I certainly with, wish that uh Smith was playing behind a different offensive line. I think he was sacked six times in basically a partial game. But you know, it, it's an incredible story. If people haven't seen the E60 on Alex Smith's recovery, it's it's just incredible. Seventeen surgeries a uh, not just a career threatening injury, but like a quality of life threatening injury to come back from that is just is just absurd. It's really remarkable. So hats off to him. You mentioned the the Dak situation and that, I suppose, leads us right into uh, the pickups conversation, which is what you and I usually have on this pod. Let's just talk about Andy Dalton and the Cowboys situation on its own without like w- without respect to any of the other quarterback options out there. I feel like you're a fantasy manager who just lost Dak, I mean, first of all, before we even get to the fantasy implications, you you and I were both tweeting about this on on Sunday. Like, Dak was on just Way ahead of a historic pace, right? Like this was obviously going to be a, a special season for him, a really fun statistical season at least for the Cowboys. We may get a we may get a team out of that division that doesn't have a winning record that makes the playoffs, but nevertheless, like Dak was on a crazy pace, a six thousand yard pace, right? So he. He'd gotten so far out in front of the pace necessary to set the single season yardage record that like what he was left with was just totally doable. It was barely over 300 yards a week. It was with the receiving core that was at his disposal, three bona fide stars, great depth a defense that couldn't hold the giants to less than 34 points, right? Like a defense that just keeps giving. I feel like he was going to get there over 16 games. So I'm, I'm like, I'm upset not only for him, but for the historic season that we don't get out of this.
0: Yeah. You nailed it. You always want to see history and it felt, this didn't just feel possible. It felt inevitable. Yeah. And remember they have a a poor offensive line or at least that best mediocre offensive line in Dallas. It's the first time we've said that in a while. And usually when offensive lines struggle, you can mask it easier in the passing game than the running game. And it'll be interesting to see when Dallas try. they they probably want to go run heavy now. I'm not sure if they can get away with it, with this defense and this offensive line. And if Prescott was anywhere close to in range for this record late in the season, they might've just gone for it. Anyway, they play at a quick pace. They have all the, all the skill talent that you'd want in the world. And so I just felt like Prescott was ready for career year and lamb has we've seen the league now, you know, young receivers don't need learning curves anymore. You know, a first right. year receiver can be fantasy relevant. And I feel like we'll probably talk about a rookie receiver every day, every time we do this podcast, because there's always a new one popping up. And so I felt like we were going to see a unique season, you know, kind of like how the James season was unique last year. I mean, the Buccaneers weren't the greatest team, but you know, he, he had a lot of long completions. He threw a lot of interceptions, you know, Prescott's a much cleaner player and, and probably a much higher quality player than, than Jameis is, but, um, you know, I was looking forward to watching Dallas every week and the carnival that they are. And I still think they can be an interesting team with Andy Dalton, but there's something, there's something out the window that we lost. And, um, you know, it's, it's just sad
1: as a, as a fan of the game to see that, you know, lost the history. Yeah. I, I fully agree with all that. One of the senses that you had so far this season was that you were obviously never, you're never fully out of a game with Dak at the controls of that offense. And, there are going to be times that the Cowboys are, in fact, out of the game with Andy Dalton at the controls of the offense. There is a uh, you know, there's there's a very real difference between these two guys, uh, both uh, fantasy wise and in reality. There's obviously, you know, should go without saying that you're not going to get the numbers from Andy Dalton. I think anyway, maybe you disagree. You're not going to I don't think you're going to get the numbers from Andy Dalton that you would have gotten from Dak Prescott in a healthy season. There's a rushing component to Dak's game that is obviously not there with Dalton. Um, Dalton has uh, uh, long stretches in which he can just be a a drive killer, right? Like there's there's just going to be a dozen more head-scratching throws from Andy Dalton than you would normally see from Dak Prescott. That said, Andy Dalton has also been a 4,000-yard quarterback a couple of times. He's You know, he's been in some great situations like he's you know, he's had Marvin Jones and AJ Green at their best and he's produced in those years. He has a 33 touchdown season on the resume. He's not he's not too old, right? He's in his early 30s. I think he's probably the the priority for anybody who just lost Dak Prescott. I think he's probably the waiver priority. And he's got a great stretch of games ahead, too, is the other thing. He's got Arizona coming up, then it's Washington, then it's Philly. These are all exploitable matchups. His team is going to need them to get to 35 points if they're going to ever win a game. So I I don't know, like how aggressive are you going to be with Andy Dalton? I feel like he's at least in a situation where it's super flex leagues. I'm I'm going to I'm going to place competitive bids on him just because I don't want somebody lucking into Andy Dalton for less than like fifty dollars. I'm in one super flex league where I have Prescott and I feel like I need to two handed
0: shove that I need Dalton on that team. Of course, you know, most leagues aren't super flex, but in that format, I think you have to be aggressive. I think it's important to recognize – I mean, you started off with the obvious statement that Dalton is not Prescott and nobody is foolish enough to believe that. But Dallas has a better backup situation than most teams. They're getting an experienced player but who's still young enough to have some upside. He's been to Pro Bowls before you mentioned the yeah. 33 touchdown season. So I think – you know. I used to do something kind of half-joking. I used to have a thing I used to call PBI, which was the p and Backup Index, <laughs> and it was an unscientific number from 1 to 100 – or I guess 0 to 100, that what percentage of an offense's efficiency would be retained if the backup quarterback had to play? So if the PBI was 100, that would be saying, okay, the backup's just as good as the starter, the offense won't miss a beat. What would be the
1: PBI for Dalton? 60, 55, 65, something like that sound right to you? Oh boy, that's, um, 70? That, that's, yeah, I was going to say 65 seems fairly pessimistic. So 75, I don't know, somewhere okay. between 75 and 80, um, maybe even 80. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, it, it ain't, it ain't 90, right? Like he's not, he's not just a, a, a tick below Dak Prescott necessarily. And he's still, you, you know, obviously we had this uh, unprecedented off season. He's still new to the team. I wouldn't expect him to be entirely comfortable. It was a, you know, it was a, it was a fun partial glimpse that we got of him on Sunday. Averaged better than ten yards per attempt. I think he was nine for eleven. Hooked up with Gallup a couple times. Uh, one a, re- a really fun improvisational catch. Um, so it was everything that we everything that we saw against a, a bad team in the Giants was. Fairly positive. It's a friendly schedule coming up. So, can Andy Dalton give us 300 empty yards sometimes? Can he give us some games with, you know, 315, two touchdowns, one pick, and you can survive it in fantasy? Sure. I think he can do that a bunch of times. Let me, maybe this is a better way for me to attack the Dalton thing. I
0: sense that I'm going to be more optimistic on Dalton than maybe the average person might be. I, hmm. When it went bad for Dalton in Cincinnati, those were such untenable situations. I don't know how he could have possibly. True been all that good in those spots and now he's got you could argue the best skill talent in the league who, who else has receivers to match what dallas has right now and a tight end in schultz who has been a productive player obviously elliott is still one of the best running backs in the league whatever that means to you and even tony pollard is a talented player can't get on the field that much so in leagues every league is different there's some leagues where everybody has a quarterback and people will just roll their eyes at dalton but in leagues where it's deep enough where you need a starter or the Superflex format or even in DFS until Dalton's price gets normalized. I'm going to be proactive. I guess that's what I'm going to say. I'm prepared to be proactive with Dalton. I I think they had a really good backup situation. I think some of his failings in Cincinnati weren't entirely his fault. And although I think Dallas will try to scale back the offense and make it a little bit more simple, I don't know that the defense will fully allow it or the offensive line will allow it. So I think a lot of people are going to be pleasantly surprised by how competent and maybe even good at times Andy Dalton is.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I want to under, underscore this. Um, I think you're absolutely right that if you're in a super flex league and and you have a, a desperate need, either you were the you were the guy who just lost Dak, or you've got you know bye week hell coming up. I, I think this is a, I think this is pretty close to an all in situation because it is an absolutely right scenario for fantasy purposes. Right? You've got a, you've got a, just a bunch of yards after catch specialists there too. Like both of the both of the backs are are pretty talented receivers. Ceedee Lamb is a star. Um, obviously Gallup and Cooper are great. So there's there's not a better situation in, in which a quarterback could possibly land.
0: And they're not fixing that defense this year. I yep. just don't see how that's possible. So... There may be weeks where they want to play close to the vest and they're, they're down 20 to three and they have to yeah. go up tempo or they have to junk the running game in the second half.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. They can, they can want to be as run heavy as possible, but it's not, it's not really going to, the defense is going to laugh at that. The defense is going to, is going to sneer at that. And they're just going to have to throw in second halves of games beyond Dalton, some of the, some of the quarterbacks who, you know, I'd sort of listed in our shared notes that I, that I think have favorable matchups, none of whom are terribly exciting to me, but I'll throw them out anyway for uh fantasy managers who. Maybe they're in one quarterback leagues and they just need a plug and play guy. Kirk Cousins gets Atlanta. We can probably find a way to talk about Atlanta's situation a little bit later. But it's obviously a bad defense. It's a poor pass defense. They just cleaned house. Dan Quinn is out. Morrison is the as the interim head coach. Franchise uh, essentially shaking the etch-a-sketch and starting over. So it's a good spot for Cousins. Ryan Fitzpatrick is coming off a game that I certainly did not see coming. Like, maybe we should think of Fitz as someone who, when it seems like there's just no way he's going to blow up, that is absolutely when he's going to blow up. So they took it to the Niners, and he's got a matchup in in this reshuffled schedule coming up with the New York Jets in the week ahead. So that's obviously friendly. And then my guy, Nick Foles, travels to Carolina Again, it's not a like Carolina has been um, stubbornly and annoyingly not the sieve of a defense that we thought they would be. Uh, So that's a that's a bit of a concern for anybody who have who has to tie themselves to Foles this week. But I think I will in uh, in in a 20 teamer. So I'm starting Nick Foles. It doesn't mean that other people have to.
0: Yeah, you listed them in the order that I would prefer them. Cousins has the best talent to drag him somewhere. And even if he doesn't necessarily play well, maybe Thielen makes a play, maybe Jefferson makes a play. And with their backfield situation, although they do have good depth at at that backfield position, we'll talk about that a little bit later, maybe they need to be a little bit more aggressive. I mean, this was the first game last week in a game that they controlled largely against Seattle. They threw 39 passes. They hadn't thrown 30 passes in a game all year. So at least they're finally starting to unbutton things to Jefferson emergence. I know he wasn't great in week five, but that really changes the complexion of this offense. And did you see Atlanta, they were like a police escort on the DJ Moore touchdown. Like they just <laughs> didn't want no part of him, just right this way, sir. Um, what a, it, I mean, obviously they need the clean house there. And I, I feel sorry for Dan Quinn, but that situation, what, what a bad football team. I feel embarrassed that I picked Atlanta a couple of times this year, including in that game. But so I'd go with Cousins first. I feel like I'm never surprised when Fitzpatrick does anything. He's almost like a knuckleball pitcher. He can yes, throw a three hit uh. shutout. I'm like, oh, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Or he could have lost seven runs in the second inning. I'd be like, yeah, okay. yeah, I get it. Um, but the Jets, what have they stopped? You know, who have they not made look great this year? They're 0-5. They haven't covered all season. We know Gase is basically playing out the string as his tenure. And so you would think Fitzpatrick is in a good spot. I, I wonder, I'm curious when they switch to Tua. I mean, he's on a rookie contract. They like Fitzpatrick as a mentor. I, I think he'll be an engaged Backup when they eventually make the change, uh, unlike some quarterbacks who you know, just don't want to talk to the other quarterback on the roster. But what Mike Gusecki was saying, Fitzpatrick was his favorite teammate of all time or something like that today. Just how oh, much fun that. he loves sure. playing with that guy. But uh, the Jets make everything – make magic happen. So unfortunately, I don't know how long Fitzpatrick – if your pickup is slightly tied to I need this guy for a few weeks – It gets a little tricky because Cousins doesn't have a game next week, the week after next. And then, you know, Fitzpatrick, I just don't know how long he'll start. The the Chargers and the Rams may not be the greatest matchups for him, but I I certainly like him as a one week rental. You you know, with Foles, I I don't know what to do with Foles. I'm glad that we don't have to watch Trubisky anymore. I I think we all (laughs) know that the Bears are a a four and one, a paper four and one. They could easily be one and four. At least just get Allen Robinson. So we'll say that, uh, you know, they, they seem to want Jimmy Graham to, to win the tight end touchdown title. If there is such a thing. Well, you know, we'll give you a little Graham pub later, but... If you're desperate, nothing else is around. I could go for falls, but he's uh, of the four guys we mentioned. He's certainly the one I like the least.
1: Yeah, listen, I, I know I talked them up at the top, but not not only could the Bears be one and four, the Bears could be oh and five. Like every game that they that they seem to win um, comes down to, a uh, you know, the, the opponent's got a shot at the end. The opponent is either driving. They're in sight of the end zone. Like a bad thing is about to happen. A buzzy rookie drops a touchdown pass. Like things are happening to the Bears that uh, don't normally happen to any franchise. So I obviously you mentioned that Carolina
0: that. pass defense, top 10 in just about every metric I care about. I yeah. mean, I know the teams are running on, on Carolina, and so maybe the Bears will try to get Montgomery going, but teams are not throwing with much success against this young Panthers defense. I thought it would, it would be a sieve all year, and it's really been very good. I, the coaching staff, the job they've done on both sides of the ball in Carolina, I think is phenomenal.
1: You you also hit on the what I think is the most important point with Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is that at some point the Dolphins probably need to get to on the field coming into the season. I, I, I might have thought that it would have happened by now, but some of that is just a credit to how good Fitzpatrick has been, how important he is to to that team generally. But. Two has got to play at some point. So if we're looking at, you know, ads for the full season versus ads for week six, I can't really put any of these other guys in the in the category with uh, with Andy Dalton. Yeah, it means I just got to put a few more bucks on Dalton. (laughs) Well, let's uh, let's transition to wide receiver because. Holy cow, we have uh, some breakout stars to talk about here. Maybe they're not stars. You might argue that they're one-hit wonders. I won't get get ahead of myself. Um, But we've got guys with fun stories, and we have... uh, Let's, in fact let's talk about let's talk about two of them right here at the top before I throw out my full list of names for you to sort through and prioritize for fantasy managers. I want to talk specifically about the game that Chase Claypool just had. He's a guy that we've talked about several times already on the pot, right? Like he's, this isn't, this isn't new for us to hype. Chase Claypool talked about him and I wrote about him fairly extensively a couple of weeks ago because he was coming off a game in which he outsnapped every other Steelers receiver. That sort of thing is meaningful. It wasn't one of his biggest games, but, uh, uh, you know, he, he's seeing the field a lot in a pretty good offense. So perhaps not entirely surprising that he would detonate at some point, And that is what he did in week five, uh, seven catches, 110 yards, four touchdowns, one of them a rushing touchdown, nifty little uh, gadget play to get him the ball. And the other guy that I think we have to talk about here at the top was in the same game, and that's Travis Fulgham. Uh, who caught 10, Paul, he he caught 10 passes and Carson Wentz completed 20, 152 yards. Wentz himself finished with like 258, had a touchdown against Pittsburgh, like a degree of difficulty matchup against Pittsburgh. He's a guy with a fun backstory. Obviously, the Eagles have no shortage of injuries uh, in the receiving core. And a lot of those guys come back, right? At some point, Alshon comes back. At some point, Djax comes back. Dallas Goddard could be back very soon. So things get better for that team. What role, if any, do you think Fulgham has moving forward? And and I'll ask the same question to you about, about Claypool as well.
0: It's really easy to tell yourself a positive story on Claypool. I I don't know what the Steelers do with their receiver scouting. And I know that eventually, you know, sometimes they hit a Marcus Wheatner, Sammy Coates, but all these receivers they found outside of the first round in the last, like 11 years is unbelievable. Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown, um, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, last year they they got a hit with Deontay Johnson. James Washington isn't a bad player. Juju. Um, It's just absurd that they keep, while, while teams like my New England Patriots keep drafting Nikhil Harry and, you know, all these other <laughs> receivers who bust, uh, Pittsburgh has a embarrassing wealth of riches. The thing about Claypool, some people might say, well, hey, you know, how many snaps did he play? I mean, he, he actually was you know third in receivers and snaps this week, but he's getting targeted at such a high rate when he does get on the field. That's all that matters to me is they're prioritizing him. He's a got the size of a tight end, but the speed of a receiver. He's a matchup nightmare on a team where there's enough pieces that nobody can go on the field and say, OK, we have to stop Claypool at the expense of everybody else. I, right. Roethlisberger seems like he, he's made a full recovery from from his elbow, um, his Tommy John surgery. So it's an easy offense to tell, tell yourself a story about. I know Cleveland's defense has been pretty good. There's a Baltimore game not that far down the line, but... Claypool, you can't unsee what he just did. The signature, significant. You know, bad players don't score four touchdowns receiving, especially <laughs> right. from distance. Right. And I know some people might say, "Well, he's not getting. He hasn't had end zone targets. You know, he's getting targeted in the field and running them into the end zone. Well, he's ruining those plays by scoring. You know, if you want him to get end zone targets, you, you need him to get tackled at the three. <laughs> Chase Claypool's special. I, he he looks special in the opener against the Giants. He had that long touchdown Heinz Field a few weeks ago that you mentioned. I think he's going to be. I mean, because of the crowding there, you, you can't really see him as more than a wide receiver three, but off the waiver wire, that's really good. I mean, this isn't like running back where you can get guys. You, you know, Mike Davis was a free agent pickup a few weeks ago. He's the top running back the last three weeks. Receivers yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Right. You know, you, you're trying to get something that's less um, likely to spark your team and maybe just be a playable piece. I think Clay, Claypool can be that. And he's certainly my priority on, on the list this week at receiver. Fulgham is a fun story. Old Dominion. Lions, sixth round pick, practice squad, played a little bit last year. And then this summer he, he basically went on the Raheem Mostert, let's get cut by every team in the league tour. <laughs> the Lions cut him, the Packers cut him, the Eagles cut him too, and then they you know stashed him on the practice squad. And with everybody else getting hurt, I mean it took three injuries in front of Fulgham to get him on the field. He had that splashy touchdown against the Niners last yeah. week. Yeah. You and I both play in that 20-team Super League. Nobody, where where anybody who's actually on an NFL roster and getting snaps is worth owning. None of us, of the 20 of us, covered in shame. I know this short benches, but none of us picked up Fulgham. He was there for nothing. No bid required. And I don't know. I I guess I I didn't see anything get in the way of the other great pieces Philly had. Now, sure, nobody saw a 152-yard game. And and now there's going to be tape on him. He's going to be prioritized by defenses. Unfortunately, his Baltimore next week, but if he ends up being the real deal, then the Giants, then Dallas. I'm done betting on Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. I just have no faith in them. And the Rieger injury is multiple weeks. So yeah. uh, he, he, he yeah. could, it could be November or December before we see him again in any realistic role. I think Philly needs Fulgham. And, and not only that, but I, I like to, when, when a story of a player becomes, oh, maybe the Lions screwed up on this guy, I like to assume that the Lions are wrong. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, Fulgham is actually my number two. There's a lot of interesting names on this list. He actually is my number two priority because I think Philadelphia needs him. I don't think they have a choice but to make him a big part of the game plan. Maybe Baltimore will erase it. They have a good defense, and they certainly erased everything Cincinnati tried to do. But I – I think Philly needs him. I, I think
1: there's gonna be eight to ten more targets coming next week. I, I think one of the most interesting things about Fulgham, uh, you mentioned that he went to Old Dominion, which is not exactly a, a football factory. This kid barely played high school football. Like he th- there there's a reason that Fulgum didn't end up at like Clemson or AM or something like that. He barely played high school football. His parents were Foreign Service officers. So he's like raised abroad, um, only plays a year or two of high school football, is still learning when he reaches college college and is a walk on at a non-football school who immediately apparently starts clowning people gets a scholarship pretty quickly and by his senior year you know he's going to the senior bowl he has a 1000-yard season he, he's an obvious talent so like this was a this was a no-star non-recruit who is clearly a gifted athlete um and, and I agree with and you was drafted
0: some... too what did force his way into the NFL draft i mean OK, you won the sixth round. Fine. I mean, Darius Slayton, I think, was a fifth round pick. When somebody can play, they can play and you have to let go of the pedigree. Yeah.
1: So uh, I agree with you on uh, uh, especially on Alshon and d It's really it's really difficult to just assume that they're coming back. It does sound like they get Goddard back. They're not going to get it back enough pieces that they can't find half a dozen targets for Travis Fulgham, who was just absolutely peppered with looks uh, on Sunday and and again, did well. In a in a degree of difficulty matchup against Pittsburgh, so that was good to see. My priority here is still going to be Claypool. I'm kind of, I guess, I'm a little bit pot committed on on Claypool because we've been writing about him a fair amount. The the measurables here are are kind of stupid, right? He's like superhero level athlete. He had a 40 and a half inch vertical at the at the combine, 44 four speed at 6'4. You mentioned that he he almost has like tight end size, like a like a freak athlete who has made at least one splash play in every week, even when he only sees one target, that one target goes for 20 plus yards. Like every week it's a, it's a 20 plus yard play at the 84 yard touchdown earlier in the season. So he he's a guy to me that if he can just settle in, in the, in the five to seven target range, I'm totally with, I'm totally happy with that as a wide receiver three, there's might be a little bit volatile, but the big weeks have a chance to look like this. So He's my priority there. And then some of the other names that I that I threw on this list, and I I will force you to prioritize them. Brandon Cooks. These these are guys that are all available in well over 50 percent of Yahoo leagues right now. Brandon Cooks. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, of course, still hanging out there after the bye. Henry Ruggs, who is just coming off one big play, hasn't really been targeted that heavily in any game. Laviska Chenault, who we continue to talk about here um, and is coming off now. Now it's now it's two big games, and I think he's over I think he's over 70 total yards in three of his last four Tim Patrick might have been buzzy for just a second, and then he had the unplanned buy, and so people had to cut him again. And Preston Williams finally showed up in the uh, in the win over the Niners. How do you feel about that crew, and is there anybody that you'd like to add to the list?
0: I, I don't know what to do with Cooks. He had the bagel two weeks ago, and I feel like I, I blew an opportunity. And the, a lot of the DFS community was on Cooks, noti- noticing Jacksonville was just missing all sorts of talent on defense. and. In the secondary, but still eight for 161 in a touchdown, major numbers. And just I've been burned by Cooks a lot. He, he basically didn't show up last year, he was hurt. A lot of good teams have had Cooks and then kind of couldn't wait to get rid of them the Saints, yeah. the Patriots, the Rams. These are some of the smartest teams in the league. And then the Rams set a record. Maybe I should let go of this fact, but it's hard for me to forget it. The Rams set a record in money eaten when they made the deal. Said, okay, like <laughs> right, they're getting right. like 20 to 22 million, something like that, just to get Brandon Cooks out of town. It kind of scares me. Now, at least we don't have Bill O'Brien to, to kind of muck things up. Although, um, you know, every, everything else is the same in, in Houston. I, I feel like Cooks is not going to be consistent. Now, on the waiver wire again, I mean, even Claypool, who we endorsed, it was as a wide re- receiver three. I mean, you're, you're not going to get a superhero on the wire at receiver. It just doesn't work that way. But I'd be afraid any week I played Cooks, he could have 13 yards. I, I guess you could say that about anybody on this list. But I, I think he's going to be the most volatile but I have him number three anyway because I think he's he's got the safest role of all these players. They don't have that that many other targets to throw to. You would think eventually Will Fuller will probably get hurt. So he's going to have probably six to nine um, Deshaun Watson targets a week, and, and that certainly has a currency. Chenault's my next pick. What I would like Jacksonville to do for fantasy purposes is maybe – Minshew's using a very diverse, wide target tree. Their box score is going 9, 10, 11 deep at the receiver position. I want to see Chark and Chenault get peppered. I want them to come out. I want them to have pepper in their hair when they end the game. (laughs) I I want these guys to to get targeted until they throw up. Now, Chark had an ankle injury in week five, so that maybe played into his very quiet game. But Chenault, you, you know, a lot like Claypool, you can tell how the Steelers feel about Claypool by the way they scheme for him. And the way they manufacture touches. Whenever you see a running back, a, I'm sorry, a receiver used as a running back, used in jet motion, used in creative ways, that's their way of saying we think this is a special player. The Steelers feel that way about Claypool. I think the Jaguars feel that way about Chennault. It's like the and Niners with the touch- Debo, yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. The, the Rams with Kump, Woods and, yeah. and, and Brandon Ayu, too, right? With that yep. that leaping touchdown two weeks ago, and, and of course it, it helps with the Niners that you have Kyle Shanahan calling the plays, but. Chenal, they've told us how they feel about him, that he's a special talent. So I have him next. I'd like to see Henry Ruggs get a heavier target share, but it was nice to see Derek Carr throw the ball downfield. Carr has often been conservative to a fault, don't want to affect the quarterback rating, don't don't throw a pick, don't take a sack. And uh, he was letting it rip against the Chiefs. He was playing like he had nothing to lose. And if they can stretch – and once you hit on a couple of home run balls, all of a sudden the intermediate part of the field opens up. Ruggs famously, you know, the number one receiver in this deep class. I, I'm not sure if that was the right pick. I probably would have taken Lamb. But Ruggs, or, or maybe Judy, his Alabama teammate. But you're going to get like a think, peak to Jackson. I think what Ruggs' profiles too. Again, you'll have to live with, with the boom and bust, which comes with a lot of receivers. But after that game against Kansas City, you'd think he's going to have a major role. Unfortunately, at Oakland, I knew I was going to say that. The Vegas Raiders don't play <laughs> next week. So you'd have to hold him. I'm not sure in some leagues that just might not be attractive to you, but it is is uh, the big problem here heading into a buy is,
1: is, is a killer. Yeah. He kept Derek Carr off this list too.
0: I don't have, I don't want to say book story about everybody here, but I, the the rest of it I had ranked as Preston Williams, who remember was kind of running behind Ford until last week, Tim Patrick, and then MVS. I I feel like there's a circle of trust in green Bay. It's a small circle. And I guess Lazard was in that circle before he got hurt and Adams in that circle. And of course, big Bob Tanyan. You know, who, who has, I guess, has Thanksgiving dinner with uh with Rogers. He was in that circle, too. I don't think MVS is
1: in the circle right now. So he's the guy I like on this list the least. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fair point. I just want to emphasize uh, everything that you said on on LaVisca Chenault. This is two weeks in a row that he's really kind of gone off at the, at the low level way that a Jaguars receiver can go off, I suppose, but it's over 150 receiving yards over the last two weeks. Chark limps away from week five. We don't yet know the extent of that injury. Hopefully he's able to go next week. If he's not, there's that much more action for Chenault. Um, He's also just like, it's really fun to watch. Like he's just one of those guys who Does not wish to step out of bounds willingly. Like right, right, like it's always a fight um, along the sideline to get him out of bounds. It's just, just fun. He's just been a a super satisfying player to uh, to watch, and he's sort of hit the ground. Go down the rabbit
0: hole. Go down the rabbit hole and watch his college tape, and you'll see plays where you'll think this this was a successful play. This this ended up being a touchdown. How how does that happen? And I don't think we have to stretch to tell ourselves a story that Chenault ends up being their best receiver. I mean, I like Chark, yeah. but he's dinged up right now. At the end of the year, we could all be saying, you know, Chenault was the guy we wanted here. I, I can I can see that where some of these other receivers, they're better. You know, MVS is never going to be better than Devontae Adams. You know, Brandon Cook's healthy, I don't think, is ever better than Wolf Fuller healthy, but – Chenault could be the most talented playmaker on the Jacksonville offense.
1: He right now leads the team in receptions and receiving yards. So um, it's tracking that way through five weeks. Let's transition to tight end, which is honestly, it's kind of a wasteland this week. Um, This is a terrible group of names that I'm about to give you. I guess I could I guess I could throw Dallas Goddard on here, too, who I think is now rostered in just under 50 percent of Yahoo leagues. But that almost feels like cheating because people are going to be very aware of him. And I, I think he's still he's he's on IR in almost any competitive format. But. Jimmy Graham, only 40% rostered right now. He is just getting, I mean, we saw the one-handed catch on Thursday night in, uh, uh, that really, the game of the week. Who didn't love Foles versus Brady? Saw the one-handed touchdown. This is, I mean, he's getting targeted in the end zone a lot. Trey Burton has now given us a couple of useful weeks in a row. Maybe not. Maybe useful is too strong a word, but he's at least seen a fair number of targets. It's a Philip Rivers offense. He's a tight end. That plays well. We know the narrative there. And uh, Gerald Everett made Tyler Higbee a little bit irrelevant this week. Uh, Everett saw four targets, I believe, to Higbee's two, finished with 90 yards. That's not a particularly exciting passing game, but that's that's all I got for you this week, Scott. Is there anybody else you can throw out there?
0: No, you hit the right names. You know, With a tight end pickup, we're usually asking ourselves the question, Is it reasonable if this player scores a a touchdown? Yeah. You know, these are touchdown dependent players when you're picking up a tight end, usually. And the Bears want Jimmy Graham to be their goal linebacker, basically. They're featuring him. And for whatever speed and agility Graham may have lost, he hasn't lost his size. You know, he's still the same, as far as I know, same height he was three or four years ago. Russell Wilson made him a touchdown guy. Now, nobody thinks that Nick Foles is is in the same league as Wilson. I guess they're both in the NFL, technically. But. (laughs) I I can see Graham scoring nine touchdowns and we all go, Oh, you know, where did that season come from? And, you know, and then, then everybody has to write a think piece about why you shouldn't draft Jimmy Graham off his 2020 (laughs) stats, but the
1: bears (laughs) want him to score touchdowns. We can just recycle our Eric Ebron, uh, articles from a couple of years ago. Yeah.
0: Well done. Well played. Um, but, but was it so Ebron that even in, when he had a DFS smash spot, what does he do? <sighs> he plays one pass into an interception. He fumbles yep. another ball. I mean, it was just the Eric Ebron experience. And, and while you know Philly was dying to give up big plays, and it turned out Claypool, who some people thought profiled as a tight end, turned into the touchdown guy,
1: and Ebron couldn't get out of his own way. I don't think I we had. I don't think we had an end zone drop from Eric Ebron, which would have like filled the bingo card. Um, yes. but, but you're right. It was the fully brawn experience. Other than that,
0: uh, I feel like I owe everybody an apology over the ty- Tyler Higby. I thought what he did in December was
1: I'm not going to carry over to the full
0: Monty, but I, I thought it would have separated him from Everett. But other than that one game where he had the glorious three touchdowns and that was in a really good matchup, I yeah. think it was against the Eagles. He really hasn't been heard from the whole season. The problem is Everett and Higby kind of get in each other's way. Sean McVay right now, his usage just can't be deciphered. We're, we're going crazy trying to figure out what his backfield's going to be like week in and week out. So um, if you are desperate here, I would prefer Burton over Everett. And Graham would be for his touchdown equity would be first, and then you know Burton for the Rivers connection, and then Everett third. There's a lot of weeks with his interesting tight ends. I just don't think this is one of them.
1: Yeah, fully agree with that, and I think you prioritize them correctly. The, the way this Graham season is going, I think you kind of nailed it. It wouldn't be a huge shock if he finishes with like 500 receiving yards or less, I don't know, 480 receiving yards and like eight or nine touchdowns. And we're, we're just going to be like, how did we get here? How is Jimmy Graham, the number five tight end of 2020? Um, but like that's in play, right? Because uh, almost all of his targets seem to be actual in the end zone targets, which are, which are clearly profitable. Let's move to running back where I think there's one name that we have to talk about. And this is somebody, you know, I like, I write the pickups piece each week, every week, I've been putting Alexander Madison in sort of the other running backs to consider category, right? Because you're not going to profile Alexander Madison every week. Um, I I think people know he's really good. Uh, He was, he was pretty fantastic last year in limited duty guys, averaging 4.7 yards per carry for his, uh, for his short career to this point. Like he's explosive. He's not exactly Dalvin cook. He's maybe not as inventive as Dalvin cook, but uh, I think he can be, I don't know what the, p and backup index would be on Alexander Madison, but I feel like he's, I know you keep that behind a paywall, can't reveal it, um, <laughs> but, but I feel like he's like in the 90 to 95% range. Like you don't, you know, you might not get that, that those final percentiles that are the Dalvin cook magic that gets Dalvin cook paid, but man, Madison's really good. And he just gave us well over a hundred yards on, on Sunday night playing in relief of cook who suffered a groin injury. The early word uh is that the mri went well so we'll see he obviously tried to come back and play on sunday night i think he played one snap after the injury and then walked off the field again never should have been allowed to get back on the field if there's any doubt again madison was great they get a matchup with atlanta next week and clearly if madison is a huge part of the game plan that's a blow up that's a blow up spot for him
0: yeah yeah the, the cadence of the schedule Works really well if the Vikings want to rest Cook, if he's not 100 yes. percent, because they have the Falcons, the 0-5, just fired their head coach Falcons. And, you know, whatever, maybe they'll have a dead cat, cat bounce with a new coach, but I mean, Atlanta looks like one of the worst teams in the league. And then they get the bye week. So I'm sure Mike Zimmer and company would love nothing more than to say, okay, and Dalvin, you know, we're going to give you two weeks off, you know, rest the Falcons. I'm sorry. You, you'll have to watch Madison blow up the Falcons like you would have, <laughs> but take that week off, take the bye week. And then, Hey, we get green Bay after the bye. That's, that's a big game for us. That that's, you know, a game we really have to have after losing to them on opening night. So I can see that story playing out that way. Uh, you mentioned also, uh, the P&L backup index being behind a paywall. I, I got to talk to Harmon and see what he's charging for reception perception <laughs> and, uh, you know, some of the pricing options. And oh, I'll if you guys could idea. package oh,
1: well, the PBI and reception perception, I think I think that's fantasy gold right there, actually. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some other people be successful
0: with like fantasy packaging and like, look, you get all these things for one low price. So uh, you should also yeah, consider
1: p and pass. Just throwing that out there. OK, all of your, uh, hey, all uh, of your paywall content. I'm, I'm good at branding these things. This is this is the most obvious thing in the world. But the, there are priority
0: understudy backs who need to be owned. I, I want to congratulate uh, the Yahoo uh, managers out there who, who went out and, and got Chase Edmonds off this list. We did it. Because for we, weeks, we pushed him over 60 percent And the thing, the thing that's great about Edmonds is even before they haven't made a change yet. I don't and because they beat the Jets so handily. Maybe they won't, but he's actually playable now. In a lot of leagues, I yeah. I was rolling with Chase Edmonds, you know, on a few teams. I have a lot of them. Some teams I didn't play him, but he's getting a role every week. He's involved in the passing game. So, OK, you can't pick up Edmonds. You know, you're going to go for Madison. You know, Tony Pollard should be owned. I think Latavius Murray has probably started to get enough usage that he's probably owned regularly. But some of these, I still would like a backup behind James Conner in Pittsburgh. I think that makes sense. Or even like with the Monday, Tuesday games, if you can still make a pickup, sometimes just pick up like a Darrington Evans and think, OK, if there's an injury in Tennessee, maybe he'd be the guy, um, th- that type of thing. You know, um, this would have helped you if you did it with the, with the Chargers. If you just picked up one of their backups on spec, you might have a starter right now. So that's just kind of fantasy 101. Anybody who's experienced knows how important the running back position is. And you should have at least two or three lottery tickets if you have the room for it. You know, you should have these guys stashed away. So hopefully Madison was already on a lot of your rosters already.
1: Yeah, a couple other names that I think are at least worth mentioning here. Rex Burkhead dropped in a bunch of leagues. Understandably so. Um, You know, when a team gets an unexpected buy, right? Fantasy managers have to pivot. Uh, So Burkhead now available in about 60% of Yahoo leagues. It's pretty clear that he still has a role. Sony Michelle obviously out. Damian Harris is going to see a lot of run, particularly when it's positive game script for the Patriots. But Rex Burkhead is a much more flexible player. They obviously feel comfortable with him as a receiver as well. So, like, I think his role just doesn't go away. And there's going to be some weeks where it's probably pretty substantial. So, he can be picked up uh, in a whole bunch of leagues. And then I don't, like, this is one of those things where I'm going to list it, but I don't think I'm actually going to make any claims for J.D. McKissick. I can imagine in a very deep, full PPR format, you know, like But Washington quarterbacks have really been have really been heated up in that 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 offensive line has not been great. And again, we, we have to worry a little bit about Alex Smith or whoever playing behind that offensive line. But they've they've been throwing a lot of uh, like a lot of stuff in the screen game to to help take pressure off the quarterback a little bit. And McKissick <laughs> is getting a lot of catches out of that. So he's been kind of a thing, a little bit of a thing. Uh, if you could if you could throw his numbers into Antonio Gibson's output, I would really appreciate it because I could I could use the full workload from Gibson, but we're not getting it.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder at what point does Gibson get the full bug in Washington? I, I thought maybe that liftoff had started. The ascent had started last week with a little bit of an uptick in usage, but then it came crashing down. I'm nervous with Burkett only because the Patriots have so many options, and they're the yeah. classic 16-week, 16 16-game 16 plans, and it's sometimes it's hard to see them coming ahead of time. These are obviously uh, – there's not a lot of upside with, with these – secondary options you're mentioning and things would need to fall right. I want to mention one other name. He's 15% owned in Yahoo. The Packers made Jamal Williams a big oh, part call. of their week four game plan. And he's actually, if, if you're in a really deep league and you're just looking to get, you know, five to eight points from a flex spot, we talked about that 20 teamer we're in. Some of you are probably in 12, 14, 16 team leagues. We're in an unusual season where bye weeks can come when you don't even expect them, right? right <laughs> you right. don't even know if the full schedule is ever going to be played. So I can see myself needing Williams was just dropped in a lot of leads because he w- certainly wasn't good enough to be held through a buy in almost any format. So he's a guy who I think is going to have, you know, he's not Aaron Jones, but Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind and they like Williams. And to the point that I don't understand why they took a running back in the second round of the draft when they already had two running backs, they really liked, <laughs> but I want a piece of the Packers offense. They seem to like Williams is like the, it's like a 65-35 or 70-30 or 80-20 split, whatever it is, something like that. Williams will get touches every week. And if Jones were to get hurt, Williams is a featured back on the top five offense. So uh, when I talked about the importance of the understudy backs, just make sure Jamal Williams is somewhere on that list.
1: That's a good call. Uh, a very good call actually. And And it's, you're right. It's a, it's a, If you're just looking for ways to get a a free and easy share of an offense that is clearly going to be here to stay all year, that's a great way to do it. Before we wrap this up, Let's let's try a new thing. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about a player that each of us are willing to cut bait on right now. Like we're done. Don't normally do this, but I think it's, you know, obviously, if if we're going to talk about dozens of potential fantasy ads somewhere down the line, you're going to have to cut someone because you probably don't have a 20 person bench. Right. So I don't know who's a brand name player that you're willing to get rid of this week, Scott.
0: Yeah, I wish we'd done this a couple of weeks ago because it would have carried more juice. But I don't think there's anything left in the A.J. Green tank. He, apparently he wants out of Cincinnati and you know I don't know who they're going to get he's, he's had three receiving yards the last two weeks six targets yeah. dinged up supposedly in that Baltimore game he's been actively dropped in the last 24 hours in Yahoo format so I think people are getting ready for those midweek bids but um his days of relevance are over and I'll also say, I said some nice things about Russell Gage earlier in the season I actually called his 100 yard game in week one but I've gone back to the gauge well a few times since then games that Julio hasn't played games that Ridley has been questionable and all he's got to show for it is six catches the last three weeks, maybe about 70 total yards. Matt Ryan is the yips at the moment. The whole team kind of has the yips, although Gurley and Ridley were, were pretty good on Sunday, but I thought the Falcons would be a fun six and 10, seven and nine team. Instead, they're becoming kind of a really frustrating three and 13 team. And so I don't want to go deep on the Falcons anymore. So uh, my days of, Trusting Russell Gage. Even that 20-teamer, I think I'm going to drop him.
1: Oh, I was going to throw Gage out there. Um, so I'm glad that you mentioned him. What, like, we, we should probably have that conversation. What do you expect the Falcons to do now? Like, is, do we get a new regime in there and Julio Jones is on the block? Do they move on from, Matt? I mean, they're well positioned in the in the Trevor Lawrence derby right now. Do they think about moving on from Matt Ryan? Do they, do they shop Julio Jones at the deadline? I would try to uh, blow it up. I mean, trade's in season can be difficult to, to do for a
0: lot of different reasons. And sometimes teams are reluctant to take on new personnel, but if I'm Atlanta, I would blow it up and I would, I mean, teams are competitive and players have pride and they're playing for their new contract. Everybody can be cut pretty much in the NFL, the way the str- contracts are structured. And as we've seen all too many times, everybody's one play away from their career being over, but I think Atlanta's best served. I mean, Wouldn't it be great if they could get Trevor Lawrence, you know, who would be, you know, the the fan base would already be familiar with him and he could be the new savior and and maybe let Matt Ryan go and enjoy the the final lap of his career on a different team, but I think they need to blow it up. If they can trade anything, I would do it. Yeah, I could. I could definitely talk
1: myself into a few years of Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley. That seems fun. So you stole you stole my guy. You took you took Gage from me. You sunk my battleship there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll out. You know this this is perhaps not as fun a name, but I am I'm gonna go ahead and say that Mo Cox can probably be dropped because he's just not playing. I think he's super talented. I think he's a you know I, like I think he could pop at some point, but. Trey Burton taking a lot of those looks, Jack Doyle back in the mix. Moally Cox is barely even in the weeks when he was scoring touchdowns, he was barely playing. So uh, like as a desperation heave where you're just hoping for a three yard score in, in any given week, um, yeah, I guess you can do it, but I would I would never keep a player like that on my on my roster when I when I know he has almost no path to seeing the field.
0: I think that's a great call. And it can be frustrating when we see talent in a player and we see potential in a player, And it's weird to be saying this of the Colts because I think so so highly of Frank Reich. But you see Cox. I see Allie Cox playing. I want to see some more Mo Allie Cox. I I don't know that he's a great blocker or maybe a great technician, but he's a matchup freak. He's made some splashy plays. And it's not like the guys who are running in front of Trey Burton and Jack Doyle. I mean, you know, are you <laughs> right. telling me they have they possess special talents that Cox doesn't have I at all? No one needs to see any more see Jack it. Doyle. I know. No, I know. nobody needs to see any more Trey Burton either. As as, as you, Mr. Chicago Bears, uh, pull over know more than <laughs> anybody. Although I'm not sure if Trey Burton ever actually played for the Bears. I mean, I, I know he was under contract and was paid. <laughs> he was certainly paid. By the Bears. Did he actually get on the field at all? Uh, He
1: was certainly paid. The Eagles, yes,
0: the Eagles. In fact, Frank Reich probably made that Trey Burton contract, right? Because he, he got. <laughs> But um, it wasn't Nagy thinking that Trey Burton was going to be like their their Travis Kelsey or whatever, you know. Gonna oh, be Jimmy gosh. Graham those or whatever are the days
1: when fantasy analysts were talking about how he would fill the Travis Kelsey role as if Travis Kelsey is just a is just a job description. And yeah, <laughs> if you just like put a-
0: on an 87 jersey and you become Kelsey or Gronkowski magically. Oh, um, totally. You actually <laughs> should have given Trey Burton 78 and make him play offensive line. Don't even <laughs> don't even let him report as eligible. Or catch like you know, the flip of the goal line. But your your drop was um, so
1: much more fun than my like AJ Green sorry. would just be such a fun drop right now. Just a just a well, feel good fair? drop. I, I, I may actually do it. I, I have him in I have him in one remaining league and I may just do it when we get done with this podcast, just to just to take a deep breath, exhale, um, feel a little bit better about my roster because AJ Green isn't on it.
0: Therapeutic drop, right? You don't even need a corresponding ad. You should actually write me up to Yahoo for taking the two drops before you get a chance to make <laughs> one. That's, I'm sure there's a, a corporate policy that strongly prohibits that. Brett, our, uh, our podcast are can, can throw me on uh, suspension or something. So I'll,
1: I'll, I'll be waiting to hear from the legal team. First time, it's just a warning. It's just a warning. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> okay, just a warning. Okay, good <laughs> Good to know. That uh, That is going to do it for another edition of the Pickups Podcast. If you're looking for additional podcasts, uh, well, you've come to the right place. We have a lot of them at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL pod with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. Check out the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Bamel, our good friend Pat Forty of SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am Miriam. Nearly at Andy Barron's. He is at Scott underscore Pianowski. Again, one more huge thanks to Planners. Tomorrow, it's going to be Matt Harmon. It's going to be Dalton Del Don. You're going to love it. But until then, we are out. Look
0: around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding right your tail, or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too.